Well, we finished up our Advent series, and we're going to get back into the Gospel of John uh, after two weeks. But today, we're actually going to start a short two-part series for the new year through Philemon, or Philemon, as some people would say. But we're going to do a short series through Philemon. And as we go through, my hope is that we will get some encouragement from this letter for new beginnings, to get maybe a fresh start going into the new year, maybe some new habits that we should have going into the new year. So with Philemon, I want to uh, give you a little background first, but you can turn there. If you're not familiar with where uh, Philemon is, he's in the New Testament. Okay, so that's going to be the second part of your Bible there. And if you have gotten to Hebrews, you've gone too far. And this letter, epistle, letter, was written by the Apostle Paul, ultimately by God through the Holy Spirit, but through the Apostle Paul. And the reason it's in its location is the Apostle Paul, his letters, he wrote 13 letters that we're aware of some debate on Hebrews, but he wrote 13 letters, and in your New Testament, those are, they go from the largest or longest Romans to Philemon. And so that is why it is in its location. So hopefully you'll be able to find it. But before we get going, let me give you just a tiny bit of background on the Apostle Paul so it makes sense about this letter. There's only a few letters that he actually writes to individuals, and this is one of those. Some of you are familiar with the Apostle Paul. Some of you are not. His name before, congregation, can you help me? What was his name before? Saul. Saul, many of you know. Good. So Saul was probably uh, born around 5 AD, so after Jesus And he grew up, and really he was from the word go. He was being trained and groomed to be one of the biggest teachers uh, among the Jewish people. He went to uh, Jewish school to learn the law, to be an expert in the law, and he was indeed an expert in the law. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee among Pharisees. He kept the law. He was righteous in every way when you look at the outside but not on the inside because he didn't know Jesus yet. In fact, he was so zealous for God and he thought that he was doing what was right and good that he actually would persecute and murder Christians. If you see in the book of Acts in chapter 7, you actually see that he oversees the killing of Stephen, the stoning of Stephen. A little while later, he decides to go. He's going to continue on to Damascus and he's going to go and he's going to find more Christians and he's going to take them out too. But God had a different plan for his life. And just so you know, it wasn't his best life now. It was going to be very challenging. God actually says that Jesus says he was going to use him as an instrument to reach the nations. And he would suffer greatly. So Saul, as he's on his way, riding along, all of a sudden a bright light appears, which knocks him off his animal and he falls down. And the Lord Jesus speaks to him. And we see that this is the beginning of Paul's, Saul's, Paul's conversion. He goes to Damascus and God uses others to speak into his life and he believes and he's baptized. And then he he goes away for a little while. He actually goes into Arabia for a season so he can be taught by the Lord. We don't know if that exactly means just through the scriptures or if Jesus continued to speak to him. But he went away and he was taught by the Lord. And then he comes back and he starts meeting up with the apostles and the Christians, especially in Jerusalem. And as he comes around and they're like, hey, 
that's Saul. He's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, guys. It's great. And you know what their response was? Their first response wasn't like, great, come on in. Their response was like, oh, great. See ya. (laughs) But over time, and of course with the gift of Barnabas, his friend, they begin to trust Paul, the apostle. So Paul then uh, goes back home for a little bit. Then he goes to the church in Antioch. And afterwards, the elders lay hands on him. They lay hands on Barnabas and they send them out on these missionary journeys. And they go on these missionary journeys and there's three of them. And as they go, they would start churches all around and they would strengthen believers. In one of the places which some of our congregation has visited and the ladies Sunday school went through this book, they went to Ephesus. And Paul stayed there for what two and a half, three years in Ephesus. And as he was in Ephesus, preaching the gospel, teaching people, some seemingly pretty rich guy from Colossae, another town, was in Ephesus named Philemon. And he goes, and he seems to become a Christian under that ministry in Ephesus. That's how he became a Christian. So then, he then goes back to his town. Paul moves on. Philemon goes back to his town, to Colossae, and it seems that he starts a church there. And his wife becomes a believer, his son seems to become a believer, and the church starts there. And that's where the letter to the Colossians is actually to that church. That was in Philemon's house. So as the Apostle Paul continued to travel around, around 62 AD, he's in prison. And he writes four letters the prison epistles, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. He wrote this letter from prison. And he writes to encourage them, and that's what we're going to do today, is hopefully find some encouragement. We're going to hopefully work through the first seven verses this week, and then next week we're going to work through the remainder part of the letter to really see that idea of new beginnings. But I want to lay the foundation and hopefully give you five takeaways today that maybe we could do differently going into the new year. So let's read together. Philemon chapter 1, written by the Apostle Paul. Follow along with me. I will read out loud. You can follow along silently. Starting in verse 1. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear of the love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. I hope we can find five things in here. Let's work through it verse by verse like we like to do and see what God has for us. So again, the Apostle Paul from prison. Most of us, just a reminder, we were talking about this in youth Sunday school. 
Most of us, if we were in prison, or when we are in life and things make us feel like we're in prison, how joyful are we normally? Pretty joyful. You know, like when things are really bad and just feels you feel trapped, one of the things I know you guys love to do is run around and encourage other people, right? We don't naturally do that, do we? This is only something that can be done by God in us through His Holy Spirit. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Let me stop there. That word for there, it actually, you could translate a couple different ways. Some of the possibilities could be by Christ Jesus or to Christ Jesus. So Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. You could say Paul is a prisoner for the gospel. He's a prisoner for Jesus. Preaching the gospel to people. You could also say he's a prisoner by Jesus. And if you read Paul in other places, he always says that when he is in prison or whatever is happening, that is the sovereign hand of God in his life. And you see that actually, like the church in Philippi, is started from the prison. So Jesus in his sovereignty, working in Paul's life, working in your life, in my life. Or you could say Paul, a prisoner to Christ Jesus. Jesus owns him. Does Jesus own you? Does he own your heart? I hope so. If not, today's a great day. Great day to start. So Paul, a prisoner for, by, to Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. This is Timothy, young man that he picks up along the way. A faithful young man that he pours into. Older men, older women, who are you pouring into? This is the pattern in Scripture. Those who've been walking with Jesus longer, you find those who are younger and you pour into them. If you are younger, who's your mentor? If you're like Timothy, who's your Paul? If you can't say, I, oh, this is my Paul and this is my Timothy, if you can't say that, we've got a problem. We need to find those who are our Pauls and our Timothys. We need to ask God to reveal them to us. So Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved and fellow worker. He writes this letter. This is a personal letter. But what I don't want you to miss is even though he's writing this to this one individual in particular, look what else he says. He greets what seems to be his wife, Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, which seems to be their son based upon what we read in Colossians. And to the church that's in your house. They didn't have a nice building, did they? Do you know in the early church they didn't have buildings? Because up until about the 3rd century, if you were a Christian, that was tough. You would be killed in most places. So they met in homes. They met wherever they could. But what's interesting, and I really want us to see this, he's writing this letter, and it's going to get very personal, which we'll see next week, about a, a sin or a struggle. And he says it needs to be read to the whole church. One thing that I think we can learn right now from this that we are not very good at, especially in the American church, is that we are supposed to, as Tom was praying earlier, we are supposed to be a faith family. We're supposed to be a people who are truly transparent and vulnerable with one another. And I think, I praise God that in this church we've been doing that some, and I think we could do better at it. We've been doing it and we could grow in it more and more. Actually opening up your lives to one another and sharing your burdens. Hey, here are my burdens. Will you pray with me? Instead, a lot of times we keep them hidden. 
Here's what I'm going through. Oh, but I wouldn't want to burden anybody. The Bible says you're supposed to bear one another's burdens. You're also supposed to rejoice with one another. And so often there's news that goes around and nobody knows about it. Something's going on in your life and there's nobody knows about it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we're actually even supposed to confess sins to one another. Why? So, we may, so it may bring healing. Sometimes that's sins that we have against one another. Sometimes it's sins that we're going through, not because we're the ones who can forgive one another, like a, a priest. We don't need that. We have our high priest, but we need the accountability. We need the encouragement. We need people to walk through the difficulties with us. The only thing worse than going through great trials and suffering is going through it alone. You're not supposed to. So when he's confronting him on this, even though Philemon seems to be a leader and he, has, he hosts the church in his house, seems to have a good amount of money, he doesn't care. Paul says, I'm going to write this letter to you. I want your family to read it. I want everybody to read it because I know that's going to urge you to do the right thing. The accountability that God gives us through the, the body of Christ is huge, guys. It's so important because it helps us. So notice that they meet in the house. But also he says, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. First thing, I know some of you are going to be excited about this. I don't do this all the time. On the back of your bulletin, there's a place to take notes. That's always there. But I actually have some fill-in-the-blanks for you. And so some of you, I see a smile. That's good. Some of you get really excited. The first one that I have for you, going in to the end of this year and the beginning of next year, if you are a Christian, we have to change our mentality. It doesn't matter, oh, well, I haven't been to Bible college. Well, I don't know the Bible that well. Listen carefully. You are a worker for the gospel. If you are a Christian, you are a worker for the gospel, first and foremost. Now, when we go around and we talk with one another, oh, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, so what do you do? We always talk about our jobs, or we're a student, or we play this sport, or we have this hobby. First and foremost, every time, you are a child of the king, and you are a worker of the gospel. If that's not your mentality, I love you, but you're wrong. And you need to repent of that. We need to change our mentality because every person, every Christian is to be a worker for the gospel. And that's what we see with Philemon. Continue on. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice where grace and peace come from. We talked about this throughout the Advent season. Many of us are looking for things like joy or hope or peace in the wrong place. Those things are found in a person. They're found in Jesus. They come from God. They come from Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. A pretty standard greeting in letters, especially a lot of Paul's. Now, verse 4. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. What does he say there? I thank my God. I love how personal that is for Paul right there. But look at this. One thing, encouragement, this wasn't one of the five on here, but when I remember you in my prayers, some of us maybe need to work on praying a little bit. I don't, I don't mean like, God, thank you for the food, amen, and that's your prayer for the day. True communion with God, but that's not one of your five. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Whenever Philemon comes to his mind, he is thanking God. Paul is thanking God for him. So here's the second question for you, or the second takeaway. Who are you thankful for? Which Christian? Who's the Christian in your life that you are thankful for? You are thankful to God for this person. 
Here would, here would be the encouragement. Pray for them, thank God for them, and go tell them. He tells him. He tells him, I'm thankful to God for you. I want you to really think of somebody and go to them and tell them that you are thankful to God for them and why. Be an encouragement. We're to do that. But now we're going to find out why Paul's thankful into verse 5. So I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward Christ Jesus and for all the saints. This one might sting a bit. Let's break it down real quick. Why? Paul has heard, he hears about the love and faith toward the Lord Jesus and the love that he has, Philemon has, for all the saints. Now, right away, real quick, for those of you who are guests, you may not know this, saints that's used here, that, this is another reason why we don't believe in the idea that um, our Roman Catholic friends or others would say that there are special saints that have a different place in God's kingdom. Anyone who is a Christian is a saint. Now, some of you are like, yeah, I am. Depending on what you mean by that, we may need to have a talk. The idea of being a saint is not because you have done great good, these great works, good works. The idea of being a saint is because Jesus has given you his righteousness through faith. So you receive the righteousness of Jesus. He takes away your sin. Martin Luther calls this the great exchange and now you have the righteousness of Christ, and so you are a saint. So if you didn't know that, and you're a believer in Jesus, hey, you're a saint. Amen. But again, if you're ever there thinking, yeah, I do a lot of good works, you're not a saint. We need to talk. Okay? So this is why we don't, there's no Saint Christopher or this, you know, that's any different than anybody else. Now, is there, if, if Christopher was a Christian, then there's a Saint Christopher. Peter, Paul, Leanna, Tom, Eric. You're a believer, you're a saint, not because of your work, but because of Jesus' work. Amen? Amen? Now, look at this carefully. Love and faith towards Jesus. So on your, on, the, on your notes, have love and faith in Christ and a love for some of the saints. No, no. A love for only the saints that you get along with. A love for the saints that don't annoy you. What does it say? Think ending this year, going into the new year. Another thing we could work on is God change my heart towards those people who are difficult. Because Lord, I'm difficult. As the Apostle Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners, Lord. And if you don't think you are, we can talk. <laughs> All the saints. There's supposed to be great unity in the body of Christ, in the local body and in the universal body. How are most churches defined? Are they generally defined by great love and unity? Is that what the culture says, what they see? Unfortunately not, is it? Well, they fight. They fight over carpet cover, color. Oh, that church, oh, that church happened because uh, that church split. And then now this new one over here is because that one split. Now, I'm not saying there aren't first-tier issues at times that we have to divide over. Like if there, some of the people are saying, if, if I started preaching, well, Jesus isn't God, and a third of you were agreeing with that, there needs to be a split. 
I need to be out. That means it's not, I'm not a, 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 a true teacher, and that means it's not a church. There should be great love. You need to ask God to soften your heart towards all the saints. Who do you need to be reconciled to? Who do you need to love on and humbly serve? How do you do that? First thing, start praying for them. Start praying for that person. And then find ways to serve that person. Go and learn about that person. So many times we have false assumptions. We assume the worst instead of the best about people. And we don't even know what's going on in their lives. Might be difficult people, but what's going on deep down? That's part of this idea of being one body, one family. So, have love and faith in Christ and love all the saints. Okay? Let's continue on. And now here's what Paul says in verse 6. Here's how he continues. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Here's what he's saying. My prayer for you, Philemon, my prayer is that the sharing of your faith, and this doesn't only mean sharing the gospel, although it includes that. But this word, especially in the, in the Greek, this word is the idea of sharing your very lives. That's what Paul actually says in another letter. He says, not only do we come to you and we share the gospel with you, we shared our very lives. Who are you open with? Who are you sharing life with? If there are not other Christians that you're sharing your life with, then again, you're not doing what the New Testament does. You're not doing what the Christians do in the New Testament. They share their very lives to make sure that nobody is in need and everybody has a place. I don't know of too many things that could be worse than you being a member of the church and you are lonely. You should not be. If some of that is on you because you're not reaching out, then you need to change that. Some of that's on the rest of us for not following you, reaching out to you. That's on us. we got to do better. We're doing great. You guys are doing great. Let's keep going. Let's share our very lives. So on your fourth takeaway there, share your faith. It has a little, little slash there. Write life in there, okay? Share your faith. Share your life with the saints. So what Paul is saying here in verse 6, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. As you share your life, Philemon, as you share your life, brothers and sisters, as you share your faith with them, I pray that that's going to give you more and more knowledge of every good thing that God has for you. Every good thing that God has done for you. And as you think on all the great things that God has done for you and how great He is, guess what you're going to want to share more of? Your life. You're going to want to share more of your faith with people. Look at this, and it's for the sake of Christ. When we love one another well, when we are unified, when the world sees the love that we have for one another, you know what they say? That's different. That's different. You don't see that. You don't see people from different races getting together and loving one another and worshiping God together. You don't see that that often. You don't see it in other areas of the world. How about people from different political parties? Listen carefully. Your king is Jesus first. Period. It cannot divide us. It cannot. We have to be careful. We should be defined by our love for Christ and our love for one another. And as we grow, the sake of Christ, the glory of Christ, unto His name, the world says, Wow! I've never seen anything like that before. How does it happen? You have to be changed from the inside out. You have to confess your sins to God, ask Him to forgive you, believe in His Son dying on that cross 
in your place for your sins and how after three days he rose defeating sin, Satan, and death and he gives you a new heart and he comes to live inside of you. And then all of a sudden you can share your life with people that are different from you. And it's remarkable and it's for the sake of Christ. Last thing. Verse 7. For I have derived, Paul says, I'm sitting in prison and I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. Do you see how we can be an encouragement to one another? Why? Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. He says, I get great joy and comfort because Philemon, you refresh the hearts of the saints. So last thing, be a refresher. Would you define yourself as a refresher? One who refreshes the hearts of the saints? Or do you have the spiritual gift of discouragement? Like, when you're around, are the saints just like, oh, I love Jesus, I love the church, I, everything is great, I love his word? Or are they like, oh, man, you are so hard to be around. I'm really struggling to love you, but I know I have to. Let me give you an encouragement. If you are not able to refresh other people, it may be because you're not getting refreshed by the word of God. The Spirit of God. You're not walking in step with the Spirit because what it should be is it should just be flowing out of us. And people should say, I love being around that person because Christ is just coming out of them. Amen? Amen. All right, let's, let's pray together again during this time. I'm going to pray. If you are not a Christian today, you can become a Christian. You can just pray to God. There's no special formula. There's no special prayer. It's just confessing to the Lord your need for Him and asking for forgiveness of your sins and salvation and following Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time together. We thank you for this this short letter, Lord, and we've just gotten into it, but there's so much here, Lord. For my brothers and sisters who are here, Lord, help us to be just defined by our love for one another, our love for the saints, and not just the ones that we like, but all the saints. Help us to be a refresher, those who, who come around us, Lord, that we just we, we speak your word and thus life goes forth and they are encouraged. Help us to have great communication, great love. Help us to encourage. Help us to learn from Paul, but help us to learn from Philemon today. And Lord, I pray for those who are here who do not know you, Lord. I pray that they would cry out to you for salvation today, realizing that there is nothing good about them on their own that pleases you ultimately, that makes them holy, that makes them righteous, but that they need the righteousness of Jesus as a gift. Help them to trust in you today, Lord. Help us all to grow and look more like Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.